1: Welcome to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio and we are fresh literally about five minutes off of a New York Giants critical crucial gotta have it victory in Washington over the Commanders by a score of 20 to 12 and Chris there are so many different directions we can go in right here I mean we're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau true breakout on primetime television the development and evolution of a quick passing attack that looked really effective throughout much of this game but what direction do you want to start with, man? Because this was really entertaining down to the last play.
2: Oh, I suppose entertaining is one word for it. Um, Stressful, frustrating. Those are also words I think we could apply to it. But why don't we talk about Kayvon Thibodeau? Because he really is the story of this game. He, he won this game for the Giants.
1: He absolutely did. Think about him. And the Giants offense has historically, or I shouldn't say historically, but this season, they've struggled to kind of develop offense early in the game. Kayvon Thibodeau's like, gotcha, hold my beer. Strip sacks Taylor Heineke back near the goal line, picks up the ball, and then scores a touchdown off of it. That's a wildly impressive play from a rookie, and I felt like the Giants' pass rush in general was just all over Taylor Heineke. And yeah, second and long, third and long, third and medium situations. Wink Martindale's going to do that to you, but I also just felt like Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, they were winning their one-on-one matchups when it wasn't even schemed up.
2: They were. Washington's offensive line played much worse than it did the last time around, especially, at least in pass protection. They did a good job opening up holes in the running game, and that's something I think we do need to talk about eventually. Maybe not right now, is the success Brian Robinson still had, even though the Giants probably... We're expecting him this time around, but the the Giants' pass rush was incredibly effective all game long, especially when you saw the Commanders try to use some more long developing plays. You saw Taylor Heineke double clutch the ball. I think more than he is used to doing, and I'm not sure that's entirely due to Wink Martindale's coverages. I I noticed times when he had wide receivers open, and he'd still burp the baby before letting it go. And I think all that together really helped Thibodeau with this honestly breakout performance. True
1: breakout performance. And Taylor Heineke finished this game 17 of 29 for 249 yards. He was sacked three times in those two really important fumbles. I mean, that fumble at the end of the game, I thought right when Leonard Williams fell on, I was like, I think that's a fumble. And I was like, I saw the replay. I was like, yo, that's a fumble. Like, get hyped. Because that was basically the um, dagger through the heart of the Washington Commanders. But it was good to see a healthy Dex with Lanny, with Aziz, with Thibodeau. It's not something we really got to see all that consistently throughout the entire year. But I I couldn't be happier for Kayvon Thibodeau and what he was able to do in this game. But there's also the offense too, Chris, that we we can go on, man, because yes, you had a solid game from Saquon Barkley. I feel like what drive was it? It was in the fourth quarter where it was just like 10 chunk yard runs by Saquon Barkley consistently. But the most impressive I think offensive performance was the Giants. What was it? 18 play 97 yard drive where the Giants converted a third nine. They converted a fourth and nine. It was just a very, very impressive drive that was capped off by a touchdown to, I believe that one was Saquon Barkley, direct snap.
2: Yes, yes, it was that one. And, you know, the Giants offense, I would say was. Not for was not terribly impressive this game. They scored 13 points. Yeah, you know, the Giants only got to 20 because of Kayvon Thibodeau. They did enough, which is kind of what the Giants offense has done all year long. They've done just enough. This, this really was a defensive win. And I think also a case like some of those early wins where. The Giants benefited from some call- from some calls. They also benefited from some no calls, and the ball bouncing their way. I mean it. It really was a game of penalties and fractions of seconds. Like the difference between the Taylor Heineke fumble and the Daniel Jones almost a fumble was really just a couple fractions of a second. Either way, you know. Jones's elbow hits just before, yeah, you know, couldn't be more than a tenth of a second before that ball comes loose. Meanwhile, Heineke, that ball comes loose maybe a tenth of a second before he is de- actually down. Yeah, you know, it, it's things like that that made the difference in this game.
1: It truly is. And sometimes you just benefit from being. I guess you can use the term lucky, but that happens to you. Sometimes the ball breaks for you. Sometimes the guys in the zebra stripes, they hold on to their yellow flag and they don't throw it when Darnay Holmes is kind of draped all over Curtis Samuel on the last play of the game (laughs) I'm just glad it didn't uh, kind of go against us this year because that was one wild finish and on the play where Brian Robinson punched it into the end zone I was like oh geez here we go again man how ironic would it be if the Giants tie Washington it's 2020 again it would be the same exact score that it was just two weeks ago but luckily Terry McLaurin he just didn't get up on the line of scrimmage and sometimes little details like that can just bite you in the back end
2: yeah, and and it's it is a little weird that the uh, McLaurin was it McLaurin or Curtis Samuel? It's Curtis Samuel. A, yeah, ask the ask the official if he was on the line of scrimmage if he was covering, and the official didn't respond. So yes, it's on the receiver to know where he's supposed to be, but also oh no, it, well, that, that
1: play was McLaurin. Yes, I was talking about the guy oh, that, getting
2: draped but, all over with Curtis Samuel. Yeah. So, oh, that yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's something else. It, it also was surprising for the second game in a row, just how physical the Giants d- defensive backs were allowed to be in this game. You know, the last time around, you had uh, Fabian Moreau and Darnay Holmes. Basically, uh, like you said, being draped over the Washington receivers way down the field. It, it looked like they were playing with college rules last time around where they where they had serious contact 10 15 20 yards down the field and the the refs were holding on to their flags and then that happened this time around as well I was expecting the refs to be more willing to call pass interference on both sides of the ball and they really weren't and that honestly surprised me
1: Billy Phelan says, how about Kayvon? What an absolute beast of a game. Those are the types of games, Billy, that we expect from the fifth overall pick. He's a rookie, right? Did you see on the last play of the game, though, Chris, he must have got poked in the eye or something because he was like off on the side holding his eye. I was like, oh, crap, man. Like, hopefully he's okay.' Giants have not had good luck when it comes to people getting poked in the eye with everything that happened with Bellinger.
2: Yeah. And I think that is something to watch over the course of the week because the Giants have a very quick turnaround. They probably only have about three days to get ready. This is kind of like a Thursday game because they have to travel back up to New Jersey. That's not a long trip, but that is still travel time. And then they're going to have to leave to go up to Minnesota, which, you know, we'll have to see how the the weather this week, because there's supposed to be a blizzard in the middle of the country, how that affects their travel plans. They might have to travel early to beat the blizzard. So they're not going to have a whole lot of time to get ready for the Minnesota Vikings on Christmas Eve.
1: Now, and that's going to be another important game, but maybe not as important as it would have been if the giants lost this, this was such a crucial win and their playoff chances are now uh, much more likely. And whereas Washington is going to have a little bit of an uphill climb to make the playoffs, but what would you think of Daniel Jones in this game? Uh, I like the, the quick, effective passing attack. We wanted a more quick game, and it seemed like we yes. received it.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in.
2: I have to default back to a lot of my praise earlier in the season. I love the way Mike Kafka called this game. Washington was playing a lot of soft coverages. They were inviting the underneath throws and Mike Kafka and Daniel Jones took advantage of it. You know, with Jones, it was like Chris Collins was saying a lot of catch and throw passes, a lot of very defined reads. Um, I think by the end of the game, he maybe threw into coverage three, maybe four times. And that's going by what Next Gen stats said. I haven't updated since the game ended, but he also had one pass on the final drive. So, yeah i I think his decision making on those read option plays was solid. Um, his decision making at the ends of runs that still needs some work. Uh, some at hits, this point man. in his career, I'm not sure. Hmm?
1: He takes some Sorry, hits, dude. He takes some yeah.
2: hits. Yeah, I'm not sure that's ever going to change. He really needs to start sliding, or his career is not going to be particularly long. But as far as just throwing the ball, we had another game where the Giants had less than 200 yards passing, and it was a lot of really quick, one-read, throw-to-the-open-man type plays. And you know, the degree of difficulty was not there, that he executed what he was asked to, but the Giants didn't really put a whole hell of a lot on him.
1: The quick game, that's all we really wanted, though, because we knew Jack Del Rio was going to come out. and Yeah, he's going to use his sub packages. He's going to use nickel. He's going to use dime. But he's going to be off leveraged. He's going to be in cover four and quarters and looks like that where you can take those quick, easy five yards if everything is timed up well, quick little hitch, slant flat. And I felt like we um, got to at least witness that. And that's something that I feel like the Giants have struggled to consistently implement throughout this entire year because their passing attack was predicated on what? The play-action pass. We didn't really see that much play action. And Chris Collinsworth made a comment about it. And I think it was like in the third quarter. They didn't see a lot of play action throughout the game. And it's right. It was more of a traditional passing attack. And if the Giants can expand develop that at a consistent level. I feel like it just adds another wrinkle to their offense that can keep defenses on their toes and hopefully open up the rushing attack, which we saw down the stretch of this game credit to the offensive line too. I don't know if it was just the addition of Ben Bredesen or if they just got their act together, but they were really blocking well up front. Something we haven't seen since basically the Houston game.
2: Yeah, I I'm not sure which of the right which of the left guards was in on that last drive, whether it was Bredesen or Gates, because the Giants had been rotating them, basically two series on, two series off all game long. So I have to go back and check to see which one was up there. But I do remember they they executed those duo blocks very well when Bredesen was healthy early in the season, and I think going back to that well really made kind of the difference on that drive. They finally went back to something they executed well and they executed it when they absolutely needed to. Yeah, the that drive stalled, but again, the Giants offense did enough, especially against an offense that is we'll say equally limited when it comes to putting up points. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'd say equally limited is probably the way to say it. But I'll give it to Heineke. He was like making some hole shots, and he had some really nice balls out there throughout the end of that game. But just couldn't handle the pressure by Kayvon Thibodeau, who is definitely <laughs> the storyline of this game. Dexter Lawrence as well as Jalari was getting pressure. And we saw early in the game, man, some of those runs by Brian Robinson. I was like, man, this is going to be another long day. And it kind of was. I mean, 12 carries for 89 yards is, is not good. That is a 7.4 yards per carry average, and his long was only 19. So he was getting chunk yards every time he was touching the ball. The first drive, Scott Turner just called GH counter, GH counter, GH counter, and kept doing it until the Giants could finally stop it. But I felt like the Giants ended up doing a good job just coming up big in those passing situations by getting pressure on Taylor Heineke and forcing bad throws or bad decisions or just sacking him essentially.
2: Yeah. And also credit to Washington for getting cute when they had absolutely no need to try to get cute. Yeah. On those first couple drives, trying to hand off to Curtis Samuel and for some reason, leaving cave on Thibodeau unblocked, and then running towards the unblocked defender. I I did not understand some of these calls. Like I understand you want to get certain looks, certain plays out there just to put it in the mind of the defense so you can sequence off them later. But the plays they tried that with were just... They, they were either poorly executed or not very well drawn up.
1: No, they weren't. And I also think they just... Maybe saw a rookie edge out there and thought they could take advantage of him. It's not like they really did during the Washington the first matchup of Washington like they would run at Azizo Joari in that game, but it wasn't like they were taking advantage of Kavon. Kayvon has been a really good defender overall, and I feel like we saw that. yeah, he had the big strip sack and he had the touchdown. that's awesome, but he's also setting the edge. I think he lost contain on maybe one or two plays in this game, which is somewhat un- uncharacteristic of Kayvon Thibodeau, but he's obviously the story like we've said. What else did you want to touch on in this game, Chris? I mean, as we said, Saquon Barkley, it's good to see that juice. I mean, some of the spins that he had, like heading into contact, it looked like, you know, week one, Saquon again, it looks like he might, you know, not be as he didn't seem as tired as he has over the last couple of weeks.
2: No, and I think part of that, it was the, the offensive line opening holes towards the end of games like he, he actually had some daylight to run towards but you know the the one thing I kind of did want to really just circle back on was how well the Giants defense played like yes we've talked about Kayvon Thibodeau but also Landon Collins coming up off the practice squad making plays in the running game he's not 2016-2017 Landon Collins but he can still come up and make plays like he, he might actually have a future as a linebacker in the NFL, which is you know, that something I don't think he would have even admitted a couple years ago. And then Dexter Lawrence being a just a menace up there and inside and just really a solid effort all around by this defense to in some ways carry the Giants offense.
1: Yes. Yes. And Sasha brought up a very good point in the comments. Secondary was really solid. And they were because you're looking at guys like, like we said, they're practice squad guys for the most part. But some of them are playing like they can be on a fully healthy New York Giants roster like Nick McLeod, who, yes, he dropped that interception chance in in the end zone. And I believe Bryce brought it up in the comments. Did you feel ghosts of seasons past after the drop interception like I did? A little bit, a little bit like <laughs> I remember back to a Dory Jackson in week three uh dropping the interception against the Falcons last season. But I'm really happy and proud of that secondary that they were able to contain because that was a very yeah. really dynamic 11 personnel package and they had their chunk plays here or there, but it was more so just great. I would say individual efforts primarily by McLaurin and Dotson, other than the one blown coverage on the last drive where Darnay Holmes thought he had help over the top and Samuel made a catch along the sideline. But other than that, I felt like the secondary played pretty well.
2: Yeah, they, they did. They were very, very physical. They were allowed to be very physical, and they took advantage of that. It felt like they were testing the limits kind of early on in the game, and when the flags didn't fly, they just kind of got the green light to try to beat up the commander's receivers and forced Heineke to make a lot of very tight window throws. And he is a gutsy quarterback. He has very good rapport with those receivers. I'll be interested to see what happens after the season with Washington's quarterback situation, whether or not they try to get one of the quarterbacks that, that are going to be in this draft, maybe will Levis or Anthony Richardson, yeah, that that's something I think Giants fans do kind of need to pay attention to because their, their skill positions on that offense are very good. And if they could get a high ceiling quarterback, that's a threat.
1: You don't think Carson Wentz is that guy?
2: <laughs> uh, No, I, I think the wheels are all the way off the Wentz wagon. Wheels might uh, be off. The- maybe yeah. Sam Howell can develop into something, but I, I don't think so
1: yeah it's hard to tell we'll have to um wait and see but in terms of the giants this is huge for the new york giants and now you have christmas eve against minnesota you have indianapolis you'll have philadelphia the path to the playoffs is so much uh more smooth at this point for the giants and hopefully they can find a way to actually get it done apologize for the dog barking but Chris, do you have anything else before we wrap this up
2: no it's we're just kind of on to christmas now and it will be very interesting to See what happens the rest of the way with Seattle losing and the Giants winning. I feel pretty confident in saying the Giants are pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot. After that, we'll just have to see what happens. They could make the playoffs as a true 500 team, which is honestly an accomplishment in a 17 game season.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not not a lot of people thought they would win or be uh, this good at this point, you know, even get to 500 let alone a playoff Sasha also asked, what would your cap be for signing Jones right now? We'll get into all that a little bit later, Sasha in in the week or Chris, do you have an opinion on that?
2: Um, you know, I think that's something we need to go to the tape, look at a deep dive and really take a look and see. It's a complicated question because right now my feeling is the Giants have the best coaching staff they have had since 2008 and I, I believe the quarterback is the foundation for your entire team. And I know there are a lot of Giants fans who just want to build the roster and then find the quarterback eventually. But if Brian Dayball and Joe Shane decide that Daniel Jones isn't the guy, I'm not sure I want 60% of Brian Dayball's contract with the Giants to be with a guy who... Doesn't let him coach the team to its fullest potential, or his fullest potential, I should say. But again, that that is a very loaded and very complicated question.
1: It's a conversation for another day. But thank you everyone for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show after this New York Giants victory 20 to 12 over the Washington Commanders. Please head on over to bigblueview.com and check out all of our written content. And let's get prepared for Christmas Eve, where the New York Giants take on the Minnesota Vikings. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.
0: First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts.